Well, I appreciate those testimonies tonight, ladies. I felt like we could have had a time of prayer after some of those testimonies and just dealt with what you all said. But it was a blessing to me, so thank you. And I know that for those of you who did not give a testimony, I know that uh, from what I heard, uh, it still seemed like everyone enjoyed it and was blessed to be a part of it. So I'm glad you were there and uh, just glad you went and were a part of it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we will get started tonight. Father, we are glad again to again be in your house this evening. I pray that you would bless this effort. Lord, to preach your word, that you would use it to uh, speak to our hearts tonight. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. This evening we're going to be in Luke chapter 10 again. I know we've been there the last couple of weeks, but we're going to be there again tonight for one more message. As you find your way to Luke chapter 10, I want to share something with you that most of you would not know. There would be no reason for you to know this, but I'm headed somewhere with this, so I'm going to give you just a little bit of insight before I reach that point. But years ago, I became addicted to the substance of Dr. Pepper. And whenever I say addicted to it, I mean truly addicted to it. I drank it at every meal. Whenever I was sipping on a Coke throughout the day, or a soda, I should say, it was always Dr. Pepper. And a few years ago, some things were happening with my body, and somebody recommended that I lay off the Dr. Pepper. And so I did that, and I made a transition from Dr. Pepper to Coke. And so while that was not a transition I was necessarily looking to make or wanting to make, it was not the hardest transition in my life by any stretch. And so my addiction changed from Dr. Pepper to Coke, and it began to be Coke that I would drink with every meal. I would have a cup of Coke that I was sipping on throughout the day, uh, it was just understood. If I was drinking anything, it was going to be a Coke. Now, there is a reason why I say I am addicted to it, and I'll explain that more in just a moment. But a couple of months ago, again, I began having some symptoms. I began having some issues in my body, and it reached a point where I could no longer deny it. I could no longer act like it was not there. So I did what any person would do in today's culture and climate. Rather than going to the doctor, I went to the Internet. So I went to the Internet, and I began to Google my symptoms. And, of course, it pulled up this website that said this could be the result or this could be the cause, rather, of your symptoms. And one of the causes was caffeinated drinks carbonated, caffeinated drinks. And so I thought to myself, you drink a lot of Coke, Kyle. You've got these issues. You can't deny it. You can't argue it. You can't act like they, they don't exist. You drink a whole lot of Coke. So let's just experiment a little bit before we get crazy with this. So I sent Susie a text, and I said, don't even offer me a Coke to drink for supper tonight. I said, for the next couple of days, don't even offer it, don't even recommend it, don't even suggest it. I, I, don't, even want, I don't even want its name mentioned in our house. She said, okay. And within a couple of days, all my symptoms were gone. 
Now, i got to be honest and tell you, that frustrated me just a little bit. Because I did not want there to be any kind of connection with what I was feeling to what I was drinking. Now, the reason that I say I am still addicted to Coke is this. Because every day I crave it. I do. I, I, I crave it. There are certain meals that whenever it's prepared, I can still taste the Coke that I used to drink with it. And every meal that I eat where Coke is not present, I miss it. I don't sip on Coke like I did throughout the day, and I think about it. That is pathetic. Would you agree? It is. It's pathetic. I don't care if you agree with me or not. It's pathetic. I miss it at meals. I think about it during the day. I find myself longing for it, a Coke. And yet, today, here's what I can tell you. It's been 53 days since I've had a drink of Coke. Nothing but water, except on two occasions where I tried lemonade. For the last 53 days, I've not drank one Coke. It's not because that's what I want to do. That's not because that's what my flesh wants to do. The only reason that I have not had a sip of Coke to drink in 53 days is because I see the need to not do it. I see that there is a need for me to not do it. I am better off physically if I don't do it. So I see the need. It is a necessity for me. And so that is what is driving me right now. That in mind, I am smart enough to know this. Just because I've gone 53 days without a Coke does not mean that I am guaranteed to go another 53 days without a Coke. Because it is a continual struggle and a battle of the flesh. I crave naturally what is not best for me. So the only way that I can do this at all is whenever I see the need of it. Now this evening as we think about that, look in Luke chapter 10 if you're not already there. But if you are, I want us to begin looking in verse number 38. This is right on the heels of the interaction that Christ had with the lawyer where Christ spoke of the Good Samaritan. And so it says now in verse number 38, Now it came to pass, as they went, that he, that being Christ, entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Now, I think most of us know this. I think most of us are aware of this. But for those who may not, let me just explain this, that Mary and Martha are the two characters that we'll be looking at this evening. And they were the sisters of Lazarus, the one who Christ raised from the dead. 
And so it says in verse number 38, it says that Christ entered into this village and he entered into the house of Martha. Martha received him, it says, into her house. And so now Martha has a guest that she most likely was not expecting or anticipating. Now this evening, as we think about that little thought right there, I want us to think about what our mind would do, what our thinking would be if we had someone drop in on us. It may not have been at the most opportune time. Would you agree? I mean, sometimes we've had people just drop in and we're trying to smile, but in the back of our minds, we're thinking, this is not what I was expecting. This is not what I was anticipating. But in a relationship like this, we might be saying to ourselves, but I love you, but I care about you. I I have feelings for you. And so here's what we would do. We would welcome that person into our house and, and whatever was going on before, it would kind of become our priority to begin trying to address them, cater to them, meet any needs they might have, right? Some of you would do that, it sounds like. We would do things like this, or we would say things like this. Do you need anything? Can I get you anything? Need anything to drink? Need anything to eat? We don't know what all the discussion might be, but that's how most of us would think and respond and react, would we not? Okay, so I say that for this reason. It seems as though Martha had some of those same thoughts going through her mind, and we'll see this more in just a couple of moments. But in verse number 39, here is what we know, that Christ took this moment and he took this occasion to sit and to speak to those who would have congregated or gathered in the house of Martha. And it says in verse number 39, And she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. So we've got Martha, who is the host now, or the hostess. She is taking in Jesus and whoever else may have been traveling with him or who may have come and congregated at her house. It says in verse number 39 that Christ was speaking and Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and heard or listened to what Christ had to say. So in verse number 40, we read, Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said. So what does it mean whenever it says that Martha was cumbered about much serving? It just means this, that she was distracted with service. Okay, Christ is speaking and whoever is in the house, they're gathered around Christ and Mary, we're told, is is pictured at the feet of Jesus listening to what he is saying. And here is Martha. She is distracted with many other things going on, but she is in the midst of serving, which is not a bad thing. 
She has the needs of others in mind. She has the, the awareness that certain things need to take place. And, and so while Christ is speaking, what is she? She is distracted by what needs to happen and what needs to take place, at least in her mind. And so she is cumbered about much serving. And in the midst of this, she's obviously a little bit miffed at who? Sister Mary. Because she comes to the Lord and says, Dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? What is Martha saying to Christ? She is saying this, Do you not care that I am trying to take care of all this on my own? I'm trying to get everything ready over here. I'm trying to straighten up here. I'm trying to pick up here. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do this. Whatever it was she was doing, we don't know. But she comes to Christ and says, Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? And then she had the audacity to do this. To tell Christ what he needed to do. That's pretty bold, is it not? She said in verse number 40 to Christ, Bid her or tell her, therefore, that she help me. What was Martha saying to Christ? Very simple. Christ, tell my sister to get up and help. I am serving, I am doing, I am busy, I am active, I'm taking care of you, I'm taking care of the others who have come into the house. I can't do all this myself, I'm a little stressed right now, get my sister Mary up helping. That's basically what she says. You say, well, maybe not in that tone. Oh, I don't know. If you've got the nerve to tell Christ what to do in the midst of busyness and chaos, I bet there's a chance that her tone was not exactly what it should have been either. So in verse number 41, most of us are familiar with what Christ said. It says, Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. So what does it mean for her to be careful and troubled about many things? It just means this. You are busy with a lot of things that are going on right now. And I want us to see this, that Christ did not condemn her busy activity. Christ did not condemn her for, for serving and for ministering and trying to help and do whatever it was she was doing. He said, you are careful and troubled about many things. So he did not condemn Martha for what she was doing. But this is also important. At the same time, he commended Mary for what she was doing. What was Mary doing? She was sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him speak. Mary recognized, here is an opportunity for me to hear from Jesus Christ. Here is an opportunity for me to hear what Christ has to say. And so Mary would have been just as aware of everything else that needed to happen. But here is what Mary did. Mary said, I'm not serving right now. Mary said, I'm not going to engage in that right now. Mary said, I'm not going to be busy with those things. Here is what I'm going to do. I am going to sit and listen to Christ and what he has to say. 
And Christ commended the decision of Mary. How do we know? Because in the middle part of verse number 42, Christ said this, Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Christ said to Martha of Mary, here's what Mary has done. She has chosen, she has made the choice to do what was good, to do what was better, to do what was best. Mary could have been up serving and busy and active and ministering and and doing all these good things, but here is what she did. She made the choice to do the good part, the better part, and here is why she made that choice. He said in verse number 42, but one thing is needful. One thing is needful. What does it mean for something to be needful? It means this. It's necessary. It's a necessity. It is something that in this moment, it is a requirement. It's like Mary said this. This is the way it has to be. I know this is going on. I know this needs to take place. I, I need that I could I, I know that I could probably help out over here. Mary understood all that, but you know what Mary recognized? More than all of that, here is what she needed. I need to sit at the feet of Jesus. And let him speak to me. She saw it as a need. When she saw it as a need, it altered her actions. Are we following this? Mary was not some lazy slough who was just trying to get out of the work and and trying to get out of the ministry of, of helping others. But she saw the need to sit at the feet of Jesus to hear what he had to say. And because of that, Mary said, everything else can wait. Everything else can be put on hold. I need to hear from him. This evening, I want us to think about this truth for just a couple of moments. That our God and our Savior still desires and tries and makes effort to speak to you and I. God, our Savior, still desires to speak to you and I. Now this evening, if I were to ask us, how does God speak to us? How does God put forth the effort to speak to us? I think here is what we all know, that there are several ways in which God does this, right? I think that there would be no denying this, that that God desires to speak to us through the preaching of his word. He just does. He desires to speak to us 
through the preaching of the Word of God. I don't say that tonight because I'm the preacher. I say that tonight because it is true. God desires to speak to us through His Word, through the preaching of the Word, but that is not at all the only means by which God makes effort to speak to us. He has given us the Word of God that we might partake of it individually. It's not just designed to be something that we take advantage of on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a Wednesday night or in a Sunday school hour. No, God has allowed us to hold within our hands a copy of his word so that you and I might be spoken to from him on our own in our personal lives. That's how, in part, God wants to speak to us. God tries to speak to us through the Holy Spirit, who is God. There truly is a relationship to be had with God through the Holy Spirit, and in that, God wants to communicate with us. He wants to lead, He wants to guide, He wants to give direction, all the things that we're familiar with, God desires to do that through the Holy Spirit. Now, those are just a few, obviously, of the ways in which God wants to speak to us. But I want us to think about this. That most of us live busy lives. We live busy lives, many of us. And so here's what happens. We can get or become cumbered about much serving. What do I mean when I say that? I just mean this. We can get very distracted with everything we have going on by things that are not in and of themselves bad or sinful. But we can become distracted by those things. I know I've talked about this before, but I want to mention it again. Some of you tonight, you're already thinking about what is facing you tomorrow and facing you this week. Your mind is already working on that. Your mind is already thinking about that. Your mind is is already processing some of that. Some of you, if you would be honest, you'd have to say this. You're already worried about it or anxious about it or frustrated by it. It's just, oh, it's a busy week and it's going to be tortured. It's going to be miserable. It's going to be tough. And your mind is cumbered about what you have going on this week. Some of you are looking at your schedule and what you've got to do this week with the kids and what you've got to do over here and what you've got to take care of over here and we're going to have to do this and do that. And and, and you're just looking at this and, and it's just busy, busy, busy. It's all good stuff in and of itself. But here is what can happen. It can take us away from that which is good and that which is needful in our lives. I'd like us to think about this for just a moment. How many of us have ever allowed ourselves to get so distracted in a church service 
by whatever may be going on in our minds, that by the time the preaching of the Word of God wrapped up, you really had almost no idea what was said. You didn't come to church intending to do that. But by the time you thought about this and you worked on that problem in your mind and you resolved this and you figured out what you were going to do the next morning, it was like you zoned in for the last couple of minutes of the sermon and thought, yeah, I I don't know exactly what the Lord was saying tonight. We ever been there? You know what's happened? We've gotten cumbered. We've gotten distracted by everything else. Let me ask you this, and somebody may say, this is so basic, this is so simple, I know, and so needed. But let me ask you this, how many of us have ever had such a crazy day? Such a busy day? Such a packed day? That as you read the scripture, you knew from the moment you sat down to the time you put the Bible down, your mind was not anywhere near the scripture that you were reading. Well, we've done it, haven't we? I know I've talked about this before, but... If we're not careful, we can get to this point in our, in our spiritual lives where we feel good about ourselves because, well, I went ahead and read. What we did is, is we sat there for however long looking at black words on white pages, but God did not speak to us. We just went through the motions. How many of us have ever had such busy days such active days that that evening when you knew you needed to read the scripture you just said "Uh, I'll make up for it tomorrow we ever done it brother Kyle bless God not a chance that's why I read in the mornings bless your heart How many of us have ever in the mornings, well, before the mornings, how many of us have ever at night said, okay, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do my Bible reading in the morning like I always have, but the day was so busy the day before you hit the snooze button, and then you hit the snooze button again, and by the time you got up, you only had a couple of minutes because you had snoozed through what was supposed to be your Bible reading time. Most of us have done it. How many of us, our minds have been so busy? Our lives have been so busy? That we gave no space for the Holy Spirit to interrupt what we were doing that day. To speak to us. Do this rather than this. Engage in this, not in that. Abstain from this, partake of this. 
Have we ever done it? See, here's what happens. For lack of better words, we can get addicted to the busyness of this life. Is that fair to say? It becomes a part of who we are. We're waking up early. It's hit the ground running. Full day, full day, full day. Come in finally. Grab a bite to eat for supper. Go out the door to do whatever you need to do that evening. Or maybe just crash in front of the TV until it's time to go to bed. And and, and we get so addicted to that that we no longer really see the need to let God speak to us like he wants to speak to us. For lack of better words, that's why for so many people, church attendance is hit and miss. Because we're addicted to so many other things in our culture today. I'm just saying, because we're addicted to so many things in our world today, that's why so many people, if you were were to get them to be honest about their private time, that their private walk with the Lord, they'd have to admit it's not existent. It's just not there. And what I would say to us tonight is this, is until we see... God speaking to us as a need, a necessity, a requirement, will probably never change our actions. If letting him speak to us is not viewed as something we need to do for our own benefit... It won't happen for this reason. Our flesh always fights against us. Your flesh has never one time, not once, said, this is a perfect opportunity to let God speak to you. Unless you come to church mindful of the need for God to speak to you through the sermon, you'll miss out on much of what the sermons are trying to communicate. Unless you sit down with the words saying, this is a need, you're not going to do it because your flesh fights against you. I don't think that I'm any worse off by way of my flesh than most of you, and and my flesh never encourages me to do this. It is a day-by-day struggle. It is a day-by-day battle. And unless we see it for the need that it is, we'll never hear from the Lord like we ought. This evening, I don't think I'm off base to say this. Some of some in our church still don't see it as a need to let God speak. 
Well, well, Brother Kyle, I'm in church tonight. Isn't that proof? No, it's not proof at all. Because your mind could be a thousand miles away from here right now. Some tonight, if you had to be honest, you'd have to say this. I don't remember the last time I picked up the word of God and just said, Lord, speak to me through your word. Until you see it as a need, it's not going to happen. But see, then there are others in here tonight. And again, I think this is a fair assumption on my part to make. There are some who would say something like this. Brother Kyle, I'm, I'm, I'm doing good when it comes to my seeing it as a need and letting God speak to me. Brother Kyle, whenever I come to church, I'm, I'm quick to say to the Lord, Lord, speak to my heart. And whenever, whenever my mind begins to drift, I rein it in quickly because I want to be fed by the truth of the word. I, I'm good. I see it as a need tonight. And many of you would say, I'm sure, Brother Kyle, I am faithful. I am diligent to have my quiet time with the word on a regular basis throughout the week. I, I see that. And, and I think some of you would say, Brother Kyle, I'm sensitive to how the Holy Spirit tries to speak to me throughout the week. Truly. I am. That's good. But what I would say to that is this. It's kind of like me being off of Coke for 53 days. All that is is a good start. Because any of us can go backwards at any time. Just because we've been faithful to let God speak to us through his word for the last week or month or year, whatever it may be, that is no guarantee that we'll continue to do that unless we continue to view it as a need in our lives. I don't know. Obviously, I don't know what the numbers would be, what the statistics would show if we could just have complete honesty and transparency. But I think we might be alarmed at the number of people who do not see the need to let the Lord speak to them like they ought. The rationalization and the justification of it is this. I'm just so busy with so many other things. And while those activities in and of themselves are not to be condemned, what is commended is when we choose the good part, the part that will not be taken away, and when we see the need to just sit at the feet of Jesus. I ask us tonight to consider the simplest of questions I could ask. And that is this, is do you see the need in your personal life to consistently find yourself at his feet, letting him speak to you? I'm not asking, do you come to church and do you read your Bible? I'm saying, do we see the need to sit at his feet and to say, Lord, speak to me 
however you need to right now. It's the best decision we can make so long as it's not ritual, so long as it's not just routine. Are we seeing it as the need that it is? Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, we come to you this evening. Lord, only you and we as the individual before you know whether or not we see that time with you as a need. Lord, some this evening might have to be honest and admit it was such a lack of concern on their part that they, they let their mind wander throughout this sermon. Lord, that needs to be corrected. Lord, there are some that fear that they would just be honest tonight. They'd have to say, man, they haven't read their Bibles personally in forever. Or they haven't really done it with the desire for you to speak to them. And Lord, it's a battle for every one of us. I pray that you'd help us to see, that, see it as a need to react accordingly. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.